Hello everyone. Today we have uh, Resham with us, and we'll be talking a lot about uh, product design, game design. Keep listening to learn more about the design industry and also to know how you can start a career in the same. Risham, could you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Risham, and I study cognitive science and psychology at the University of California, Berkeley. But for this past year, I've actually been on a gap year. I'll be returning to complete my final year this August. But um, over this past year, I've had a lot of time to do some internships, uh, get some good project experience in, as well as try out some research. So. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you today. Okay, great. Uh, so uh, let's start with your uh, journey to uh, UCB. So uh, can you tell us how was your experience studying there and how you ended up uh, going going to California and studying there? When I was in school, I was actually a commerce student. I was studying okay. commerce and maths. Mm -hmm. So I realized that I didn't really enjoy business subjects because you know purely doing accounts and things like business studies felt fairly dry to me and that made me quickly realize that this is not a field that I want to stick to. With colleges in India, um, you have to pick what you want to do and apply to a certain course um, and then stick with that for the next three years. But since I didn't know what I wanted to do, that wouldn't have been a great exercise. So I actually started looking at colleges abroad when I was in 12th grade. I actually made this decision um, I started giving it thought like, okay, where do I want to study? What do I want to do? Apply to Canada and the US. Um, since you can apply and kind of figure it out in your own time as you go through college. And yeah, from there, um, out of the acceptances that I got, I think Berkeley really stood out to me because um, of its prestige, because of its location, and also the fact that I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but it's been ranked as one of the topmost colleges in quite a few departments. So I just thought like, you know, whatever I end up picking, I wouldn't really go wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really glad I made that decision. That's what made me um, go to Berkeley in, Cal uh, in California in 2017. And um, yeah, before the pandemic started, I wrapped up three years there and I'm excited to go back for my fourth and final one this August. Okay, great. So uh, your background is in cognitive science and psychology. So uh, can you tell us a mm -hmm. little bit about this field and uh, how you got into it? Um, so when I came to Berkeley, I thought I would try out programming since at, up until this point, I'd only experienced the business side of things in high school. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I started looking at tech and mm -hmm. you know the first space area I tried to try out was programming and mm -hmm. Again, um, for me, I think the problem solving aspect was really uh, interesting, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I didn't enjoy, um, you know, how individualistic it can be at times and um, how routine it also gets. I realized that I didn't enjoy that um, as I had expected, but I still love tech a lot. Um, so from computer science, um, I actually started looking at cognitive science instead because it was more complementary to my personality because I'm also like, you know, um, multidisciplinary. I have like varying interests and cognitive science was all, also an interdisciplinary major. So that combines neuroscience, psychology, parts of CS, 
parts of artificial intelligence. Um, and also like it has a very strong behavioral uh, component to it, uh, which I enjoy. So I actually really like my neuroscience and psychology courses. So I thought I'll add on psychology as a second major. Yeah, so after I started studying behavioral science, I knew that I enjoyed working in tech, but I knew that I didn't want to be in business and I didn't want to be in like hardcore programming. So the next thing I started exploring was product management. For, for me, the first step here was to like start talking to people, start reading about the field. And after talking to people, I actually realized very soon that product managers have a very hectic lifestyle. Even if the product manager role um, and responsibilities appealed to me, um, that lifestyle necessarily didn't. So, um, and then through those conversations um, itself, I actually discovered design. And mm -hmm. from there on, that just seemed like a perfect fit because with behavioral science, like I really enjoyed uh, applying, you know, my learnings to how people perceive and behave and think and act. Um, but at the same time, I could be in tech without necessarily doing any of the dry mm -hmm. business related things or sticking purely to programming. This was like a more creative, more open field where I was still solving problems. But with game design, I actually joined Extended Reality at Berkeley, which is a mm -hmm. campus organization for, well, extended reality projects. Mm -hmm. So anything AR, VR, or MR related, which is augmented reality, virtual reality, and mixed reality. Um, they have various project teams that mm -hmm. work on games, experiences, um, or mm -hmm. anything else. So I joined a team there, um, but I soon realized that, you know, our MVP, if we wanted people to actually play our experience, return to it, actually enjoy it. We needed to make it into a more fully fleshed out game. That's how my um, journey into game design began. I just like had to wear a lot of different hats mm -hmm. um, over a span of a year and a half. I started in 3D artistry with like Maya and Blender. I learned that, started making mm -hmm. 3D models, um, then went into game design, started applying UX and product principles into VR, um, did scripting, did narratives, looked at game mechanics, things like that. Um, and yeah, that I think also helped me in good stead to come into EA as a game designer. Okay, that's great. Uh, so like, did you uh, did you used to play games before and you, did you have some kind of interest towards that or you just an opportunity opened up so you went ahead and grabbed it? I did play games, mm -hmm. um, but I never had a console because okay. uh, my, my parents, you know, they were under the impression that, okay, you know, gaming, well, you know, it's a huge time sink. And especially as a student, you know, that's not something that they wanted me to get into. Mm -hmm. But I did enjoy watching a lot of gameplay or games. Mm -hmm. um, I also, thankfully, thanks to my Oculus program, I actually got a headset. So I got a Rift S and I started playing VR games um, oh. on that. But other than that, um, yeah, you know, if I ever would hang out with friends and if any of them had a console, like I would play, you know, the stuff like, you know, FIFA or just Call of Duty, just games like that in general. And then on my phone, also like casual gaming wise, um, I have played some games. Okay, great. So let us, uh, you know, change the pace. So uh, can you walk us through a typical day in, uh, in your life as Resham Krishna? Hmm, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's. That's an interesting question because mm -hmm. for a designer, I would say no two days look the same. Mm -hmm. But typically, if um, I also I should uh, probably like lead with a disclaimer that I usually have like multiple projects going on at mm -hmm. the same time. So there is a lot of 
like role and responsibility switching. But typically, um, I'm not a morning person. So I wake up, if I can help it, I will wake up around uh, 11 or noon, kind of start my day there with like some fruits and coffee and like going through my emails, responding to my Slack messages. Because while I'm asleep, um, since I'm in India, a lot of my uh, the people that I work with and a lot of teams are based out of the US mm -hmm. um, and elsewhere. So I wake up to, you know, the messages yeah. that they've sent out during the day, um, kind of see what's going on. That's like my version of the morning paper, like, okay, you know, what's mm -hmm. changed since I, I went to bed? Yeah, start getting back into that. Um, I reference my Google calendar a lot throughout the day since that keeps track of all of my meetings. For example, like maybe I'll have a meeting when I wake up and that'll be for my work with develop for good. Maybe I'm talking to a mentor and trying to figure out how we can better design the program for um, you know, other volunteers or uh, what sort of changes can we make structurally to have design reviews, uh, critiques, um, maybe you know, exploring partnerships with companies. So we're actually in the middle of setting one up with Facebook. So I've been talking to the Facebook social impact team a lot. Um, that could be one meeting. Um, the next one could be something completely different. Maybe, you know, if I'm, <laughs> if I have a meeting for EA, um, well, uh, I work on the Sims team, so maybe it could be something related to that. Uh, or maybe it's just a hangout session where we like get online and play games together, get to know each other more. Mm -hmm. um, there's also like, of course, time for gaming somewhere in my yeah. day. Um, and hanging out with friends these days online. So maybe just getting on a Zoom call and saying hi and catching up with people. Um, yeah, I also eat my meals timely. I try to get eight to 10 hours of sleep. I cannot function with anything below that. But yeah, days can be pretty varied depending on what I have going on and what stage various projects are at. You have a lot of interesting things throughout today. So that's great. Okay, so uh, <laughs> uh, like since you, uh, you are from a uh, cognitive science and psychology background. So how difficult or easy was it for you to get into product design roles? Because since you're coming from such a niche background. I'll tell you the pros and cons. So mm -hmm. having studied cognitive science and psychology, I did have a good understanding of just experiment design in general. Um, and, you know, most of my degrees about re reading research papers, reading certain experiments, and then trying to deconstruct them, figure out, you know, where there might be confounding variables where the logic, where we might be making jumps um, and, you know, in terms of causation and correlation um, and what might be interfering with the data. So it mm -hmm. really, um, I would say, helped streamline um, my thought process in terms of making sure that things are as airtight as possible, mm -hmm. which translated very well into my journey into design, because as a designer, your I would say first and foremost responsibility is to make sure that you aren't taking any information for granted and, and you're not bringing in your own biases to make assumptions and you know building off of that um, because then that product or that experience isn't going to be as useful or as efficient as you want it to be. It mm -hmm. might not even work at all for um, you know whichever group you're designing for mm -hmm. or whichever population you're designing for. So in that sense, I think um, it gave me this really strong foundation in research and problem analysis. Uh, but my degree did not, uh, you know, give me any courses on 
visual design or using the software that I typically use, you know, stuff like Figma mostly. So those were things that I had to figure out on my own. And initially it was pretty hard because, you know, doing two majors, so like doing two degrees and then on the side for, you know, product designer, you also yeah. have to do additional projects and you have to summarize all of that information. You have to make your case studies, you have to make your website. So balancing that was hard, but I think that's what my gap year really helped me with. It kind of, you know, gave me a break from school and really gave me time to focus on my design um, and make a lot of progress. Since you talked about uh, the case studies you have done uh, and like the kind of extra uh, efforts you had to put. So uh, like for someone who is like just uh, going into undergrad or they're pursuing undergrad right now. So how important are these personal projects or internships with different you know, startups and uh, companies important like to get a job right out of college? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, for jobs, I would say actually for a designer, that's the most important thing because you can, you know, even if you're in a formal design program, mm -hmm. there are things that you can learn in classrooms and there are things you can learn from lectures, but it's never going to be the same as actually going in and designing a product, designing, you know, an experience, working with a team, um, solving a real problem that, you know, where you have access to certain data, where you're actually spending time on engaging with the people that you're designing for. Yeah, even if you're in college, I would say try to, support your design journey with whatever you're learning because that's one great thing about design you can come into it with any sort of background so try to you know develop your unique set of skills that you can apply from the things you're learning in class but make sure that you're also putting aside enough time to work on actual projects whether that's like you starting out with a personal mm -hmm. case study or you are like interning somewhere just try to gain as much real world experience as you can because in interviews and in the recruitment process um, shipped products have a lot of value that will hold you in really good stead because they want to see your overall thinking process and design process in the interviews. So I think that would help a lot of people out there who want to get into design or just want to test the waters. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, like since you have been uh, in the uh, product industry for a while, so in your opinion, how has it evolved? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I, I, I can talk about some growth, I think, particularly in this like pandemic era. I think the pandemic has, you know, of course, uh, caused a lot of companies and industries to kind of shift to just purely 100% online operations. And mm -hmm. because of that, a lot of things and a lot of processes that were just, you know, solely in person have had to adapt very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, of course, this, you know, really hyper boom of like digitization, because that's the only way that businesses right now are able to survive. Everything has to be remote. Everything has to be like online accessible. Um, but uh, given that there's also been a lot of um, problems that have kind of surfaced, you know, things that were kind of taken for granted or technologies that weren't as well used or well utilized, especially I would say in terms of accessibility, like now more than ever, I think it's really, really important to make sure that whatever content you have, whatever web presence you have, whatever experiences digitally you're creating are um, you know, open to people from all sorts of backgrounds, people with all sorts of uh, disabilities, people you know, with all sorts of experiences. 
So I think with the pandemic, like um, I, I really hope that um, tech kind of moves towards um, accessibility and inclusion just beyond the bare basics, because right now, uh, you know, a lot of websites just try to do the bare minimum to not get sued, but that's not a standard we should be aiming for or striving for. We have to start including accessibility as an intentional basic part of the design process for any product. Um, also, there's been a huge uptake, I think, in virtual reality. Like these are industries I, you know, industries and interests that I have. So I kind of follow these closely. But um, virtual reality has been around for a very long time. But now we're actually seeing, you know, this um, huge uptake in interest and in, like new consumer products coming out, new titles coming out. Um, you know, experiences are being um, improved drastically as compared to what they were just about a year ago. You know, people yeah. thought of VR as this, you know, even though it's been around for years, they thought of it as some futuristic emerging tech. But, mm -hmm. you know, the fact is it's been around for decades. Yeah. But people are actually, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like this plateau of productivity now where people are um, actually making useful applications and working on improving the existing infrastructure. And they see some sort of realistic future that incorporates it um, into their day-to-day -day life. Yeah, rightly said. I think the uh, past years like have been like an experiment with the virtual reality and now the applications have started to come out. Okay. Uh, so uh, let's uh, move to the rapid fire part. So what's the best thing that has happened to you this month? Well, I started my internship at Electronic Arts and everyone's really nice. Everyone's super warm. Um, I also got the second dose of the vaccine. So now I'm fully vaccinated. So it's, it's been quite a nice month. Okay, awesome, awesome. So if you could teach one subject in your school, what would it be? In hindsight, I think it would be um, either psychology or music because I'm actually pe like, people don't really often know this, but I, uh, I've been singing from a very young age and I also sing opera. So I think being a music teacher would be really fun. So what is one thing that you still have from your childhood? I don't really hold on to like any uh, tokens or memorabilia, but I think in terms of my core principles, I've been like fairly sorted from the beginning. So I mm -hmm. have my like grit and my personality still. So what does creativity mean to you? I think that means Words that come to mind are, you know, expression and collaboration um, primarily because you can create, um, you know, you, you can truly express yourself when you're being creative and creativity all, often also involves more than one person, whether that's the creator or the person experiencing it. So what are your favorite lyrics from uh, all of time? I really like the song Dream On by Aerosmith with us, sing for the tears, sing for the laughter, sing for the tears, dream on. It's a brunch, what would you eat? Everything. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, anything from like pizza to like uh, grills to a lot of desserts and you have to make sure that you leave space for that. What is a book that you're planning on reading? I have a few on my list. Um, I want to read the Lord of the Rings. I want to reread A Thousand Splendid Suns. And in terms of design books, um, I want to explore more about atomic design systems and also atomic habits. Uh, what was your worst subject in school? <sighs> Maths. Uh, what is something you wish you would be you would be good at? 
I wish I could just finally learn how to drive. I mean, I've taken lessons. I just never got around to practicing. And now there's a lockdown, so I can't get my learners. Um, and I'm just like sitting here like a 22-year-old who doesn't know how to drive. So I wish I could just be good at driving. If you could make a documentary about anything, what would it be? Hmm. I think it would be about changing perceptions of maybe technology over time. Or it could be like, I would make like a musical documentary about something, you know, like maybe about like opera. What's the, what is the first thing that you notice when you meet, meet a person? How they treat other people. Shoes or bags? Shoes. Sk skiing or surfing? I'm not a cold person, surfing. <laughs> okay. Uh, window or aisle seat? Window if I want to sleep and it's a short flight, aisle if it's a long flight so I don't want to have to disturb people to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Photoshop versus Illustrator? Illustrator. Cooking or baking? Both. Heels or flats? Flat. Okay, so uh, now uh, let's move on to the last part uh, of the podcast. So uh, like it's the, it's called Q&A. Can you tell like what are the tools they can start to use? For tools, it would depend particularly on the type of designer you are. So for example, if you are into graphic design, then something like Illustrator might suit your needs better because that's just mostly more visual work. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if you're a UX designer, you would need tools like either Adobe XD or Figma or Sketch. Um, okay. And you know, picking from all of those, I think just depends on uh, you know the projects that you're doing. So if you're interning or if you're part of a team, like if you're joining an existing team, Usually they already have a design tool that they're using. For student projects, I've seen they tend to lean towards Figma, but in an industry sometimes, you know, organizations use Sketch. So they're very similar tools. I would say if you can use one, like if you know how to use Adobe XD, you can very easily, you know, use Figma or you can use uh, Sketch. But figuring out that initial part of which tool suits you best, like that's going to kind of come with experimentation. And also students might not have, you know, the funds to pay for a sketch license, for example. So in that case, maybe starting out with Figma or if you have an Adobe Cloud, you know, Creative Cloud subscription through your college or something, um, that's a great starting point. There's honestly not much difference. It's more about what you do with it. Um, as for tutorials, um, I would actually say that there is a lot of interesting design organizations uh, and groups that you can join. Um, and you should just honestly talk to a lot of people. They also usually have resources channels and tutorial channels that, uh, you know, where they post a lot of links, a um, lot of helpful articles, uh, YouTube videos, things of that sort. To, so Design Buddies is the largest one. That's a Discord group with like over 21,000 people. Um, so definitely consider joining that. Um, if you have any on-campus uh, organizations for design, you should also try to like be on their Slack groups. Like always just explore what's going on. Um, UX Collective on Medium has a lot of good articles that you can start reading to see um, diverse thought perspectives. Um, and there's also some YouTubers uh, like Chan Buns and Designer Lily that I watch. You know, they do uh, walkthroughs of whiteboarding challenges or, you know, how to interview at companies. So things of that sort that you wouldn't typically find in a classroom, you know, just more industry applicable stuff. Um, there's a lot of resources. Also, there's a mentorship site called ADP List, which um, where you can sign up for a 30-minute chat with design mentors from various companies for free, and they can help you with whether that's interviewing, whether that you're just getting started, 
uh, whether you want portfolio feedback you know people are very warm and very nice so like mm-hmm. if you're scared of like talking to someone in the industry please don't mm-hmm. be like the design uh, industry and like the community is just very nice very warm very welcoming everyone really helps you out okay great great so uh, what's your daily driver in terms of laptop and mobile so i have a gaming laptop i have an hp omen um it it's quite spec'd out because i need it for my vr related work so it's mm-hmm. vr plug and play ready um so obviously it has like a it, ha- it needs to have a good graphics yeah. card mm-hmm. um also like a lot of storage capacity um and as for my phone um so i have a windows laptop but i have an mm-hmm. iphone um so i use the iphone okay. 12 um also that has lidar scanning mm-hmm. so like if i want to experiment with ar it just mm-hmm. it's just easier okay great great so uh, you have also been uh, helping budding designers uh, and also creating a social impact through platforms uh, like develop for good product classroom so can you shed mm-hmm. some light on that yeah yeah sure so um i remember that you know when i was starting out and even even today there's so many people that i have to thank and so many people who took time out of their day to like chat with me and give me guidance especially because if you're a designer who's not in a design program like if you're just trying to figure it out on your own it can be very daunting so i try to help out whoever reaches out to me whether that's like on linkedin if someone sends me a message i you know even if i if, if it's a busy week and i'm not able to get on a call with them which i ideally would like to do i will take the time to send out detailed voice notes that answer their question um mm-hmm. and then like my inbox is always open so i try to have conversations with them there but uh, with things like develop for good i think develop for good is really interesting because you're helping students get real world project experience so people with not a lot of experience are actually able to get on project teams and build something real but at the same time you're also helping nonprofits because you know with the pandemic they've had a lot of funding cuts and um they're able to get better quality design work which they otherwise otherwise might not be able to afford so it's like a very nice symbiotic relationship there and uh, being able to facilitate a program like that um it's kind of you know also helped me do my part in not just you know combating things with the pandemic but just opening up opportunities for other people and as well as you know uh pushing for social impact um as for product classroom uh, that was also really nice like experience that i remember fondly because um that was more one on one mentorship so i got to meet people and uh, you know other mentors alongside me um they were really nice so we had our own sort of community and some people that i still talk to but at the same time you know uh, i had like two student mentees that i was in touch with and um who who you know uh gave me good feedback mm. and uh, thought that i was able to be helpful so that was also really nice now i always learn something from you know people i interact with so and i love meeting new people so um these two things have also given me opportunity for that that's great so i'll be uh, putting the links uh, of these you know forums uh, so that people can mm-hmm. you know visit and uh, get the required help they want okay mm-hmm. So coming to the last question for the day uh, apart from your work side what do you like to do for fun like what are your hobbies Yeah so I like hanging out with friends if I can right now I can't so I get on calls with them and we'll just listen to music um and gaming is another one so I'll either on my uh, Rift headset or just on my phone that's also kind of like a social activity at times for me if I'm playing something multiplayer then you know I get on call with my friends and 
uh, we can, you know, go through it together. So that's a way of spending time in a digital mm -hmm. era, I guess. Um, I also like to sing. So in my free time, like I'll just do acoustic covers or practice singing. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the podcast. Uh, thank you, Esham, for joining us. I hope uh, everybody got a very valuable info from you. And I also hope that you also enjoyed uh, discussing all these things. So thank you for joining again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had a great time chatting with you. Thank you for the amazing questions. And uh, for anyone listening, like please feel free to reach out, whether that's over LinkedIn or you know anywhere else you find me, um, like Twitter or elsewhere.